You are listening to Killer, and this is case number 25, Edward Wayne Edwards, part 3. Lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn off the lights. We're about to begin. The story of Edwards doesn't end with the double murders of Tim Hack and Kelly Drew, Judith Straub and Billy Lavaco, and his dubious insurance fraud plan where he murdered his adopted son, Danny Boy Edwards. It's way deeper than that. Let's dive in and look at some more potential murders. In Portland, Oregon, 19-year-olds Larry Payton and Beverly Allen were last seen after making plans to go shopping at Lloyd Center on November 26, 1960. They left around 9 p.m. That was the last time anyone would see them. On November 27, 1960, Larry Payton's Ford Coupe was discovered parked in a remote Lover's Lane area in Forest Park. His body was found inside. He had been stabbed 23 times and suffered a severe skull fracture. His clothes had mud on them, which may have indicated that he was outside at some point during the attack. The FBI were called in to help in the search for the couple. Allen was nowhere to be found, but her purse and coat were left behind. Her glasses were found in the car, crushed, and her necklace was broken. They found a knife lying on the hood of the car, as well as a pen knife or small folding knife on the ground outside. There was a single bullet hole found inside the car's windshield. Investigators determined the shot had been fired from inside the car. Blood evidence was also found inside and outside of the car, and no gun was found. The car keys were also found later in a bush near the car. Investigators immediately began to search for Allen upon discovering Peyton's body. A customer from a restaurant in Eugene, Oregon, found a message scrawled on the bathroom mirror which read, I am held in a brown Ford. Help me. Investigators began interrogating this patron but later deemed them unreliable because while they could give a description of Allen, they could not give a description of her captor. On January 9, 1961, her body was discovered in a ravine off of Sunset Highway about 30 miles west of Portland. Investigators found her lying face down, nude from the waist up. She was only wearing dark gray stockings and one shoe. Her ski sweater and blouse were lying nearby. Her hands were bound in a green nylon cord. Near her body was a plastic sheet covered in blood stains. The autopsy concluded she had been strangled most likely with a rope and had died between 3 and 7 a.m. on November 27th, the same night she disappeared. Additionally, they felt she may have been sexually assaulted. Investigators were interested in Edwards as a suspect in this murder, but they later cleared him when they stated he had not been in the area during that date. Carl and Edward Jorgensen and Robert Brom would be arrested and tried for those murders. The details aren't super important, but Carl was acquitted and Brom was sentenced to life for the murder of Peyton in 1969 and sentenced to 25 years. Brom and Jorgensen would be released and essentially this case ends without a feeling of really knowing who was responsible. It's a common theory among Ed Edwards conspiracy theorists that he was involved in this. And he was in the time, at the time he was in the area when these murders happened. Now, I wanted to talk about a few things that happened during this murder that I found a little bit interesting. The first being the single gunshot through the window. I thought that was kind of interesting. It ties into something else that happened later on. So when Edwards is investigated for this and police speak with him, they find him 
with a strange wound to his arm. Uh, it was a gunshot wound. He had a, a single bullet in his arm, which was interesting. And he was also hanging around the scene at the time of these murders. So there, you know, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that could put Edwards, you know, in this crime. And it fits the MO of the Lover's Lane style executions that he's known for. What did you make of that? The bullet wound to his arm is definitely fascinating. I'm assuming they did, weren't able to retrieve a bullet from the wound. He may have already taken it out. I don't think it was still in his arm when it happened, when they found him. I think he just oh, okay. had the injury. Well, I mean, that sort of explains the gunshot that appeared to come from inside the car. If he had been outside the car roaming around and they saw him have a knife in his hand, I'm assuming that someone could have shot him from inside the car. What's interesting, though, is like you don't hear about any other like casings being recovered or anything, which maybe they were. Maybe we just don't know about it. But there was a single shot fired from inside the car, which is strange. I wonder why that happened. Was it a warning shot? Was he trying to kill somebody? Even if it wasn't Edwards, just whoever was doing this. Was it somebody inside the car, you know, firing off that warning to let people know he was serious? You know, what was what was the intent of that single gunshot? very strange. Yeah. And I guess it's possible that he could have gotten into the car with the gun and there was a struggle and the gun accidentally turned on himself, shot himself through the arm and then outside of the car because they did say there was not only blood evidence inside the car, but outside as well. Yeah, exactly. It's just an interesting little tie-in where right place, right time, Edwards is in the area, fits his MO, potentially could be. I personally feel that there's a few more murders of his that we just don't know about that he didn't confess to because the ones that he confessed to, he only confessed because of necessity. The original one, he was turned in by his, his own daughter DNA tied him to it. And then the other three murders in two separate events, you know, he, he needed something out of it and he's a master manipulator. So I'm assuming that's where that comes from. I'm guessing there's a lot more to him than we even know. Yeah, I agree. And unfortunately with him, like we discussed last week with him uh, passing away in prison, we may never know. Some of those pr cases will likely remain cold. So let's move on to another double murder that... Uh, Akron police began investigating uh, with potential tie-in to Edwards. This is from the La Crosse Tribune in 2009. Police in Edward Wayne Edwards' hometown of Akron, Ohio, are now trying to connect the suspect in a pair of Wisconsin killings to the grisly slayings of two teenagers in Akron in 1979, the Wisconsin State Journal has learned. Akron police officer Bob Swain said Thursday that police recently got an anonymous tip urging them to investigate Edwards in the deaths of high school sweethearts Mary Leonard, age 17, and Ricky Beard, age 19, whose bodies were found in May of 1985, six years after disappearing while they were on a date. Swain, who was assigned to guard the skeletal remains in the rural area when they were found two decades ago, confirmed that Akron police are reopening the case. Last week, authorities in nearby Geauga County named Edwards a person of interest in the 1996 shotgun slaying of a young man who once lived with Edwards in rural Ohio. Geauga County Sheriff Dan McClelland said his deputies in Ohio want to talk to Edwards about the death of Danny Boy Edwards, who stayed with the Edwards family for about a year after he left a foster home. Leonard and Beard, the Akron teenager, were last seen leaving her home in his car, headed for a local drive-in theater. The car was found abandoned the next day on a lane in a rural township with a bullet hole in the windshield. Six years later, the couple's remains were found about six miles from the car. Examination at the Smithsonian Institute revealed Leonard had been stabbed in the chest and shot, and Beard had been shot multiple times. In 1996, psychics Lori Campbell and Pam Coronado examined clues on a Discovery Channel television show. 
but no one was charged. On Thursday, Edwards waived his right to a preliminary hearing in the 1980 Wisconsin killings of Kelly Drew and Timothy Hack, according to an amended criminal complaint in that case. Edwards told police he had had sex with Drew, then watched as two men beat and stomp the couple to death. Their bodies were found two months later in rural Jefferson County. So we have another set of murders aligning very similarly with the rest, including the ones, the Peyton Allen ones that we just discussed with the the bullet hole in the windshield. There's definitely some smoke to this fire, but obviously nothing ever came of it. This was back in 2009, so it was obviously written before he confessed to Danny Boy Edwards because they talk about it in this article here where they're going through and discussing you know, the various aspects of things that they think he might be involved in. And I believe he confesses in 2010 and then dies in 2011. So uh, it's an interesting look into some of the things that investigators were trying to pin on Edwards. And this one does seem like it it could have been him, but there wasn't a lot of extra detail brought about, um, you know, relating to, in, in this article specifically, about where he was when this happened and all of those kinds of things. I'm starting to believe that the bullet hole in the windshield is him circling the car and firing into the car to basically catch these people off guard and and scare them and then he rips open the door and then attacks them it could be the only thing with that though is so the bullet hole in the windshield a lot of times comes from the inside because there's no other bullet in the car so that's probably how they know that it came from you know inside versus outside that's true that's still questionable it's just strange It, it i mean it lines up with the portland killing With the one hole in the windshield, for sure. Yeah, I could see a situation where he gets himself in the car. Maybe he takes advantage of the woman in the back of the car, fires a shot to let the dude in the front know he's serious, you know, something like that, before he sexually assaults the female. Who knows? I mean, obviously, it's pure speculation on my part, but something like that, maybe. I don't know. What do you think about that? That's very possible. I, if there is sexual assault involved, I mean, he denied it in the in the one um, dance hall case where he said they, it was consensual. But I, like like I said before, I think he's he's not above raping someone before killing them. As violent as he, as we know him to be, yeah, he's definitely way worse of an offender than what he lets on. He's a con man. I mean, we've heard it time and time again. You hear him talk about the stories like like they're nothing, like they're just basic, everyday, run-of-the-mill events. Like he went to the grocery store is how he talks about murder. So I don't put it past him to, you know, either be narcissistic enough to think that he's having consensual sex with somebody while he has them in a precarious position or where, you know, he is taking full advantage of this situation and sees nothing wrong with it. So that's the story of Ed Edwards. Except it's not. Not if you're John Cameron. Who is John Cameron, you may ask? John Cameron's bio, according to his own website, coldcasecameron.com, which I highly recommend you visit and view this giant, crazy menagerie of information on Edwards, reads as follows. John A. Cameron is a 55-year-old retired police detective from Great Falls, Montana. His career in law enforcement began in 1979. He retired in 2005 as a sergeant of detectives working cold cases. He has worked on FBI serial killer task forces, catching ritualistic child cannibal killer Nathaniel Barjona, conveniently tied into our last case, Case 24. If you didn't listen, go check it out. His cases have been featured on America's Most Wanted, Dateline NBC, and he helped produce a series known as Most Evil True TV. In 2010, while working as an analyst for the Montana Board of Pardons and Parole in Deer Lodge Prison, Montana, he was in a position to access information 
that had been kept secret for 55 years, unraveling the most intelligent serial killer ever. The tie-in David alluded to in the Barjona case is that the pair shared one interesting overlap. They both served time at Deer Lodge Prison in Montana. Now back to Cameron. Cameron has some extremely wild claims regarding Ed Edwards. Let's break down a few of the bigger ones now. The first theory that Cameron is known for is that Edwards and Jimmy Hoffa were buddies and Edwards murdered him. The theory goes that Edwards and Hoffa served time in the same prison together and Ed has acknowledged that Hoffa helped him get a job once out of prison. I believe that even happens in one of the audio clips we played in part two. Ed was also theorized to be an FBI informant at one point based on some of his writings. The theory about Hoffa's death is that while it was an inside job by the FBI, Cameron speculates that it was Edwards who was the inside man since he was an FBI informant. He may have been used to help lure Hoffa into an area and the FBI took him out, or Edwards himself did it. I found that one to be a little bit interesting. Um, Edwards had not officially been known to be a murderer yet, according to, you know, he, he wasn't known really until April turned him in, you know, in what, 2009? So this, you know, this would have been way, way, way before that. So for the FBI to know of him as a murderer or conspire with him, if he was supposed to be the one who actually did the murder, Seems like there's some back and forth on whether or not the FBI took him out or he took him out from what I was able to read. It's an interesting point that he believes him to be an FBI informant at one point, though. I mean, an informant to what? I, I guess to get closer to Hoffa or the mob in general? Well, well, there's a couple things. So we also know that Edwards had a relationship with a police officer in Ohio, and he ended up reaching out to him to try to get to Ohio to get executed. So, And, and he had made that relationship a while ago. So uh, we know that Edwards does befriend the police on purpose, and he was in prison. So I think that the FBI informant angle is, he was in prison, he knows things, tell us what you know, that kind of thing. And then it'll keep police off his back or in his pocket as he would probably think of it okay i can see how that pieces together with with him always trying to keep some law enforcement in his back pocket yeah so here's the thing with conspiracy theories which is what i find fascinating if you think about this on the whole it does seem like a stretch but there's also just enough truth in this story that it can make you think you know wow did that really really happen who knows you know that's what's interesting about it i completely agree i mean and and Hoffa is one of the most notorious cold cases of all time. I mean, just the fact that his body was never found. But it's interesting that they've that he pieced together and must have done a lot of investigation to figure out that Ed and Hoffa served time in the same prison together at one point. Just that that just that information alone is very interesting. Yeah, Ed's pretty forthcoming with that. I feel like, especially because Hoffa you know, was pretty notorious. But like I said, in his interview, he even mentions, you know, yeah, Hoffa got me a job for the local 24 in Akron driving truck or something, you know, something like that. Um, so that that's where that tie-in kind of happens. And I mean, obviously that interview happens after Ed's in prison, but it seems like he would be one to brag about any crazy criminals he shared time with in prison, in my mind. Yeah, I completely agree. But he's smart enough to know that he shouldn't brag about killing Hoffa if he was the one to do it because that puts a huge bullseye on his forehead. Yeah, now I don't know that he bragged about killing Hoffa per se. He just okay. says that he knows him. You know, so there's like that's where the tie-in happened. That's the nugget of truth mm -hmm. in the whole theory is he knows him. He's admitted to it. He admitted to Hoffa getting him a job. Now suddenly someone's tying up all the loose ends supposedly by saying, here we are, and he 
helped get Hoffa murdered or murdered him himself. You know, so it's kind of interesting. It's definitely a stretch, but it it makes you think for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to the next crazy theory. Theory number two, Edwards killed Lacey Peterson. Lacey Peterson disappeared while eight months pregnant with her first child around December 24th, 2002. Her husband, Scott Peterson, was convicted of murder and sentenced to death. The actual details of this theory get quite crazy. The high level of the theory is that Edwards has a contract to traffic a baby for adoption. This leads to the abduction of Lacey Peterson. After holding her for some time, she is murdered or dies during childbirth. Yeah, this one is an absolute stretch in my mind. There's no way in hell this happened. No way. Not at all. I don't have a doubt in my mind that this is just bullshit. What do you think? Yeah, it definitely seems like a stretch as well. There there must be some sort of evidence linking Edwards to the location or the vicinity of the Peterson family at the time this happened, which makes him think that it's somewhat possible just to be able to put this conspiracy together. Yeah, there is like some sort of nugget of, of truth to the, you know, the the fact that I believe he was somewhere near the area at the time. And it's just, it's just enough again, you know, to, yeah, it to is. make you think. And I can believe that he would come, he would accept some kind of tr- contract to traffic a baby because look at the great lengths that he went to to bring Danny Boy in, manipulate him, get him to join the military, and put this whole plan together to get his life insurance money. It's possible, but a stretch for sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's extremely interesting. And if you, it, so here's the thing. Okay, so there's there's so much information that is related to to Edwards according to to this Cameron guy. Right. And there's just so much stuff that it's hard to sift through it all. So, you know, I'm trying to keep these, you know, a little bit short in terms of describing what's going on. But there's so much depth to this. I encourage you to go read this guy's website. It is absolutely insane. So there's like theories like that Cameron tries to tie to him. Ed Edwards sends a letter to the Modesto B claiming responsibility for killing Lacey Peterson and the setup of Scott. And he has, you know, some images of the letter. I'll read that to you now. So the one letter dated May 4th, 2003, a message from God it's titled on the 12th day of the 12th month, Carrie Steiner was sentenced to death by a jury of 12 led by juror number 12. 12 days later, Lacey and Connor were killed and for an quote act of God. And then in parentheses, me quote, both unquote were found following the storm on the 12th. God in parentheses, I delivered the evidence to secure the arrest of Scott Peterson and the eventual conviction, conviction, quote, beyond a reasonable doubt. The murderer was delivered to Modesto Police Department at 12 minutes to 12 midnight on Good Friday. Yes, it was a, quote, very good Friday. God, I bless you. God is one of us. Open your hearts, open your minds, open your ears, open your eyes, both of them, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Like, this is the kind of information that is all over this guy's website, so it's kind of fascinating, you know, go read through it or whatever, but man, is this just, it just, I don't know. (laughs) It seems like a stretch. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets 
if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Cameron goes on to tie Edwards to virtually every major event that happens in his lifetime. Just to provide some insight into the connections Cameron claims to make, John Benet Ramsey, Black Dahlia, Zodiac, Chandra Levy, 9-11 Anthrax letters, and the list goes on and on. Yeah, so you can literally go out to Cameron's website and go click on, there's a, uh, a bar at the top, Killer's Timeline. And if you click on this, literally every decade that he has in here i mean there's just like dozens and dozens of things in here stating that he murdered so and so and you know so it's really really fascinating to read through but again i feel like so much of this is just straight up just straight conspiracy theory circumstantial evidence there's stuff in here about um you know the the one big one is the zodiac and when you when you start looking at what he says you know he shows some evidence where he claims that you know edwards was saying he if you can do the ciphers and stuff that you find like the killer's name is edward edwards or something like that um but i feel like a few quite a few people have conveniently solved that cipher which is pretty interesting um he also you know he has just like, I mean, just so much information related to things that Edwards supposedly did. And it's just, it's really fascinating to, to go through this and, and look at how he's trying to tie Edwards' life to like literally everything. And so I, I don't necessarily disagree that there was definitely more to this man. There's more murders that probably are attributed to him. But the ones that we know about so far all have some sort of tie in to Edwards' in a way that you can make like logical sense. It's kind of mind boggling to me that, that he went to this effort to, to tie all of this together to all of these events or to all of these people that he is so convinced that, I mean, if all of this was true, Edwards would be like the greatest criminal of all time. And I say, and I don't say greatest in a positive note, like the most notorious, I guess I should say, criminal of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And he, that, that's kind of what Cameron's whole angle is here, is that Ed Edwards is the greatest serial killer you never knew of. And he, uh, you know, he, he has ties to Charles Manson and, you know, he's trying to tie him to the Zodiac and he just, you know, he just continues on. It, it's just, it's insane. I, I just can't believe <laughs> like the way that all of this, you know, ties together. It's definitely fascinating. And until you had mentioned this conspiracy theory in Cameron, I, I honestly hadn't heard of him. So I'm going to definitely go out and check the site out for sure. Yeah. it. He has a whole cipher on here and it's on the 1960 to 1969 page on on his website and it says the last 18 characters contain edward's id when solved and so he shows you i think the ciphers the ciphers work you know like his his way of how he the math essentially and how he got there and it says the last 18 characters were solved in august of 2010 in great falls montana it contained edward's id i'm edward e vexed iq hath you greater than i <laughs> what it says in there i mean i don't know yeah <laughs> It's just insane. I, he, I mean, is it possible? Maybe, but it just seems like it's such a stretch to tie him. I mean, 
maybe a you know a handful of the stuff on the site maybe he is tied to but it seems like tying him to like literally every single one of these things and you know that based on the ones that he confessed to there was no like taunting police or ciphers or anything like that so why would that be a thing and then it just stops yeah i don't know I'm definitely going to have to look at the site and, and go through all of his claims and see if there's evidence and how he ties some of this together. Like, like I'm saying, what, what's his motive? And he's, he seems to have a pattern to the people that he has killed, whether they're couples on lover's lane, we piece together, you know, the one bullet in the car windshield. But then when you start looking at all these other things that we listed here at the end, why, why would he even be considered a suspect in John Benet Ramsey? Or why would he even be considered to be the black Dahlia or the Zodiac? And what benefit does he get out of sending the anthrax letters around nine 11? Just, just, just reading that without actually seeing the site yet. It's just fascinating to her. And it definitely piques my interest in going out to see how he ties this stuff together. Yeah. And that's the, that's the great part of this whole story. You know, like Cameron goes on to tie him to so many different things without it. They just don't really make a ton of sense. Like Jean Benet Ramsey, he's tied to why, why would he kill John Benet Ramsey? And his daughter, April even says he would never harm a child unless that child harmed one of his children. That, that was her feeling. And I can kind of, I don't, I mean, his MO from what we know doesn't show that he would. Now he's a manipulator and a con man, but I don't necessarily think that makes him just a psychopathic serial killer in that regard. Now he kills people, but he seems to like have a, a reason for it in his mind. Like there's not just total randomness. Could he be the Zodiac? I don't know. No one knows, right? No one solved that one, but I find it really, really unlikely. I agree. I think we have to leave it to everybody that, that listens to go out to the site and determine for themselves how they, how they feel about this conspiracy theory and how they feel that he may or may not be tied into all of these different cases. All right, that's it for us this week. Thank you for joining us on the series of Edward Wayne Edwards. This is the conclusion to that series, and we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you telling a friend about the show, and we hope you enjoy your time in quarantine. And for those of you listening to this long after the quarantine is over, hopefully we're in better times. Stay safe. dead carol fucking basket wanna know how that turd got there carol fucking basket wanna know how it turned gay carol fucking basket wanna know why i can't play a core right carol fucking basket this here dog used to be a tiger you wanna know how it changed carol fucking basket fucking bitch fucking bitch fucking bitch bitch <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Killer Post Show, and there we are introed by the one and only Joe Exotic. All right, man. So I wanted to talk talk about the Tiger King on this uh, little post show segment this week. What'd you think? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I from not from the perspective of it, it was such a great show and great documentary. I I was just intrigued at how wild the characters were and how just brazen some of the stuff that he did was it just completely blew my mind in some aspects oh my god that's the thing he was so eccentric and a lot of the characters in that show were so eccentric and it was just like a complete 
it, it was just like a, a totally crazy wild ride the whole time every episode it's like wait what <laughs> like here's this uh gay cowboy dude who has tigers and you're like okay wow that's kind of weird and then you find out that he's got these multiple husbands okay well that's weird then you find out that the other guy who does basically the same thing joe exotic does and has somehow created his own identity as bhagavan doc antle whatever the hell any of that means that dude also has like multiple partners it's like what in the hell it just like keeps snowballing down and down and down like that's what's great about this whole thing well bhagavan apparently means the lord i think that that was the the translation for that so this guy thinks he's god in his own mind in his own world yeah he's a super douche (laughs) (laughs) yeah that guy it's i mean what the hell yeah it's just like the cast of characters just keeps getting better and better and better and then like when you finally feel like the documentary is coming you know to a halt or slowing down a little bit then this jeff Lowe dude comes out of nowhere and he's like a 75 year old gangster wearing you know like (laughs) dressing like he's in some 2002 rap video (laughs) it's just wearing his affliction t-shirt and his giant hat and his leather jacket he just oh i I know it looks ridiculous you expect him to bust out with uh with the gangster slang when you when you first see him he reminds me so much of for those of you who have watched trailer park boys there's a character called j-rock and you expect him to to start talking like that guy the first time you see him it's hilarious yeah i mean i was expecting him to bust into like a mo money mo problems from <laughs> puff daddy and mace man like <laughs> that's what i thought was coming next and uh it was just you know it just keeps getting crazier and crazier and then you know his his husband, Joe's husband, kills himself or whatever. I don't know. I saw a theory. People were talking about that, that uh, he, it was an accident. Did you get the impression that was an accident? You know, the sad thing about that, that whole thing was at first I thought it was staged because it, he conveniently was off camera the whole time. So I thought, you know, maybe this is something to mm-hmm. play up to the camera. Oh, my God, look what just happened to get, you know, get that attention. But I can relate kind of like a true story to this, sadly enough. I, I think we were, I was in middle school, 7th or 8th grade at the time, and I can see this also being an accident. Somebody who messes around with guns and plays with guns, you hear about these accidents all the time, and we had a kid in my class who was joking around with a friend of mine, and he he completely thought the gun was unloaded, and he put it to his head and pulled the trigger, and there was a bullet in there that he had forgot to remove and killed himself. And... Yeah, this was like eighth grade, and my friend witnessed this, and it's so I can see it being an accident. And you know, the guy on the show was notorious for being high all the time, whether it was meth or marijuana. So I mean, he could have not been in his right mind at the time and thought the gun was unloaded, just dicking around with that guy. Yeah, I I personally feel like it was intentional, but I feel like the documentary led you to believe it was intentional, and then and then you know. I just saw some people talking about it later that said it wasn't intentional or they didn't think it was. And I never got that impression at all. Now, when we also mentioned like he was off camera, there may have been another camera angle. They just didn't want to show it to you. True. And and I have to believe there was because there were cameras all over that compound. I mean, it, a camera followed Joe Exotic. It seemed like 24 seven. Oh, yeah. All right. So the great question in all of this is, what do you think of that bitch Carol Baskin? <laughs> she for sure killed her husband. I'm I would stand behind that. I, and I'm sure her tigers ate the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm not necessarily uh, opposed to that either. I, I think she definitely did something. I mean, I don't know if she fed him to her tigers, but she definitely got rid of him I mean, somehow, right? She's uh, The thing with these documentaries is they're sensational and they leave out a lot of information and I never went back and researched, so I don't know. But based off this documentary, it makes a pretty compelling case that she definitely, well, definitely. did that. Especially the one part where right after Joe was doing that one uh, video or he was filming something and that tiger got a hold of his foot and started to drag him away. And she's like, if somebody, somebody must've put something on his shoe. I think she made a comment. Like if you want a tiger to eat somebody, you put some kind of fish oil on their shoe and that'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Oh man. Yeah. She was, she was something else. Man, that woman is nuts. The other thing that struck me is like how many people you can get to work uh, at like a tiger zoo and pay them next to nothing and feed them walmart truck food yeah expired walmart truck food at that oh man how gross was that but i'm glad you mentioned that because you look at doc antle and his whole compound that he's created down what is it in myrtle beach area he comes from Mm -hmm. his background was this what was it like a yoga meditation group that he was a part of and then he branched out to start his own zoo and he has all these people working for him. He, I mean, he has houses on his compound that they live in probably for free, feeds them, does everything. But they, the one lady said, you know, we work 18 hours a day, days on end, and we get, what, a couple hundred bucks a week, if that. Yeah, exactly. That's what's, That's a cult. That guy runs a cult. That's exactly what I was just getting sure. ready to say. This is the, he's the Tiger King cult in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> yeah. And I just, whatever, man, that guy, there's something about that guy that's just so freaking bizarre. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I want to know how many kids he has. I don't understand the women who, yeah, too many, fed him to the tigers. Yeah, euthanizes them before they're able to become a pain in his ass. I, it, (laughs) it's definitely a cult. I mean, it's a it's funny that you say that too, because didn't Joe say if the feds were to come in and raid his place, it was going to be a Waco at one point? <laughs> yeah, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, the whole thing is, it, it's just, it blows my mind. Some of the, some of the characters in that, my favorite character probably was the one zookeeper, the real tall skinny guy. I just loved every time they panned to an interview with him because it was a constant, you know, fuck this mother, fuck that. Was it their business partner that was the informant, the strip club owner? Uh, yeah, Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Chucky. I told my wife when we were watching that, that that guy looked like Fat Chucky, and then like the next episode, Joe Exotic <laughs> called him Fat Chucky. <laughs> he did look like a Fat Chucky doll. Yeah, I mean, that guy was something else, too. He was all sorts of sleazeball. I don't know. There was so much that was going on. It was just so good um, in a terrible train wreck white trash kind of way it was fantastic so i highly recommend people check it out if you haven't is if you enjoy that kind of stuff i mean if you don't like like i don't know it's very jerry Mm -hmm. springer in a way so if you don't like any of that you're not gonna like this but it it was pretty funny that's a great way to describe it very jerry springer like and i wonder if you dug through the jerry springer archives if joe exotic had ever been on there at one point on that show because he would be perfect (laughs) 
Oh my God, man. I went down the Joe Exotic rabbit hole and was on his YouTube channel. He's got so much stuff on there. Most of it's just not even good. So, you know, praise the Netflix people who actually went through and <laughs> dug through all that footage and edited it down because 99% yeah. of it's just straight boring. It, I'm sure it took a massive amount of time to go through all the editing of that stuff. Yeah, and so the funny thing is I saw Carol Baskin refuted a bunch of the stuff and she had said that they were doing the show under the guise of it being like Blackfish, that documentary about SeaWorld and the killer whales. And they were doing the same thing, but about tigers. And that's how they were posing. They were doing this documentary from Netflix. And I don't doubt for a minute that that's how that started. But I think as soon as they started filming Joe Exotic for a period of time, they're like, holy shit, we have a gold mine. And it's in the form of this Jerry Springer style zoo tiger triangle thing <laughs> going on. So, yeah, I think that then it turned into what it became for Netflix. They're like, okay, now well, we know what yeah. we have. And they try to paint Carol as being the savior or the the sanest of the group, but it just isn't true. I mean, we knocked Doc Annell for having all these women that work for him and basically slavery. If I, if, if I had to put a term to it, Joe Exotic doing the same thing, feeding all his workers all this expired Walmart food. And then there's Carol who doesn't pay the people that work for her anything. They're truly volunteers. Oh, you get a special colored shirt because you've been working for free for so many years. And then she's got people who do that are stupid. Like never take an unpaid internship. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to do work for free. No doubt. Fuck you. (laughs) No way. But then there's her, no way. Her crazy husband who he he tries to come across as appearing normal when they talk and you know maybe he is maybe he is highly educated and talks well and and whatever but then you see the pictures of him kneeling down to her on a leash on a beach it's like that guy likes watching her have sex with other wow i i thought maybe that 100 (laughs) percent I thought maybe wow 100 percent probably so he's he's such a cuck like (laughs) there's no way I can see it. I can see them being into the furry community too, <laughs> just the way that they dress and act. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, they're into something, all right. And all right, so parting words, I will leave you with this. If you ate the pizza at the zoo, I hope you were able to not throw up. That's a good point. Yeah, because he was making that pizza with the expired Walmart f- uh, meat from that truck. That's not as bad as some of the cases that we've covered where people are grinding up other people to put in their hamburger. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.